she's giving me that look. It's time to get started. Uh, We're going to be in Genesis chapter 22. I started this thing out and it makes absolutely no sense to me now, but we'll just get started. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. You guys are all ready. We'll go ahead and get started and then we'll pray. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder, and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. Now we all know what happens in this story. We know that almost like a climactic movie, when Abraham gets ready to sacrifice Isaac, God stops him and provides a lamb or a ram for the sacrifice. Um, Let's pray. Dear Lord, we we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the messages. They've just been a blessing over the last few weeks. Brother Brian just preached a fantastic message this morning. Lord, we pray for Pastor um, as he preaches tonight or for the services tonight and most definitely for a safe return home back to us. Lord, we pray that you watch over the rest of the service around the building. Uh, Help us to all uh, mind your word and apply it to our lives. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So... I taught this lesson to the teenagers over the summer, and it was one of those lessons that was preaching to me the whole time I was writing it. It happens, does it ever happen to you? If you're pre- a lot of times when I got saved by teaching a lesson on Paul and his conversion after I'd been in church for 10 years. So a lot of times when you're teaching these whippersnapper something, you learn something. Well, anyhow, Isaiah had been talking to some colleges and college boys, and I even think at that missions trip they went to, the boys were kind of challenged to tempt God's calling on their life and go to at least one year of Bible school. And that really kind of perplexed Isaiah because he's very money conscious. He knows that debt can lead to trouble. And as a young man, he doesn't want to take that into his family. He wants to be debt-free as much as possible. 
I mean, Christian college isn't expensive, but it ain't cheap either. But he's going to go to a Christian school, but he's going to do something technical, more than likely engineering. Ask his teacher. She's over there. I'm the superintendent. I just pay the bills and keep the teacher happy. But as Isaiah and I were talking through this, we came to the conclusion that God has a calling on all our lives. And interestingly enough, you know, I mean, everybody has a calling. A lot of times I feel like when we say calling, we're saying a missionary or a pastor or name anything else. But God really has a calling on all of our lives. He has something for all of us. We just don't know what that is. And especially when we're first saved. And as we grow in Christ, a lot of times he'll reveal things to us that put us in the right place that he actually created us for in his church, which is really, if you go back into it, he knew we were going to be here long before he started the world, so he knew it was going to happen before that. But anyhow, that's not the point. The point is, if you look at this, sorry guys, if you look at this message, in the verse 2, he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, and these last, which I will tell thee of. Abraham had a calling, but he didn't know where it was at. He didn't know when it was going to happen. He didn't know what he was gonna, like, where it was going to take place. He just knew it was going to be the land of Moriah and the mountains. That's how we kind of are right now. Now, something that's different about Abraham and myself is Abraham was ready to go. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Now, when I say calling, I'm not trying to like take anything off of people who are missionaries or who are pastors. But there are specific, non-called, full-time things that we take for granted here. You spend eight minutes with that teen group over there, and you'll realize real quick that those two have a calling. Like, I'm surprised we can't hear them from here. They're so loud half the time. I would not be very good at that. I would have them tied up and <laughs> socks stuffed in their mouth about 30 seconds into it. It'd be a real quiet session. Everybody enjoy the lesson? Shake your head. It was great, Mr. Corey. Don't whip us again. But we need to be focused on that and uh, keep looking for God's calling in our life. And the most important thing about this lesson is being ready for God's calling when it gets there. Because it's going to come. Um, and if you don't know what that is, I'll tell you a little secret. Do what pastor asks you to do. It's amazing the blessing you can get from doing what a preacher asks you to do, especially if you don't want to do it. There's something about growth and doing things that you don't feel you're ready for. Just like you getting someone saved five weeks or whatever it was after getting saved. You just knew that you had a heart for people. And that comes across. So, the original lesson was to, see, to teens. And it was specific for preparing themselves and their lives for whatever God would have them to do. That way, if God revealed to them that they were going to be in full-time ministry when they're 19 years old, guess what? They would be ready to go. They would have a plan in place to do that. The humbling part is what I found when I was making that lesson, if I replaced teen with myself, 
I needed a completely different set of plans. Like, it's shocking the responsibility you have for these little crumb grabbers and a wife and a home that you've made that really can kind of put a roadblock on things, especially in today's society. So it's something that we all should be working towards, and we're actually working on a few things now to try to replace that. I want everybody to know that through this message, I'm really preaching to myself because I'm the only person here I really know good enough but I'm sure you can fill in enough bad stuff for yourself in there. That's what I usually do. Oh, that doesn't apply, but this does. Anyhow, so just a cool, quick note. Does anybody, does everybody know what our blanket calling on on earth is from God? Brian preached about this morning. What is it? You all have a calling. You got it as soon as you were saved. Reach others, that's right. To reach others, 1 Peter 3.15 is a good verse for that. It's one that I always like. Uh, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of hope, of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We all have a calling. Nobody gets out of that. So let's get to it. Verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, And took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for burnt offerings and rose up and went into a place of which God had told him. We can see that Abraham had his life in order because he rose up early the next morning and prepared for the task at hand and left out that very day. Abraham and his people, they were nomadic at that time. They were ready to move at all times. But that doesn't mean Abraham wasn't busy. Uh, in his tribe, he would have been a very busy person altogether. He would have had to oversee all the flocks, all the watering, where they were getting their food, how were the pastures looking. Um, he would have overseen the servants to his family. He would have had to deal with any arguments or disagreements among those people who were with him at the time. He would have been responsible for keeping this small band of people safe. Like He was a very important person. That being said, the ability to pack up and leave, he must have had something in place where I had prepared for that moment before it actually happened. He had to have a, I mean, you don't just take a leader like this and then not show up to work the next day. It doesn't happen today in like small companies. You have to be there. You have to do something. You can't just leave your people. Maybe our president could probably not show up for work and we'd be okay. It's hard to say. (laughs) the Bible doesn't say who he had taken care of. I have a wife. I'm pretty sure it might have been Sarah. (laughs) I think she probably would have been like, I got this. You guys go on. We'll talk about later about what they talked about. (laughs) Um, I couldn't do that right now. And I don't know if anybody in here can honestly raise their hand, except for some of you retired folks could pack up tomorrow and go do something that God had called them to do. That's a very humbling thought, honestly. Um, I hate to even tell you this, but when Pastor texted me about this, I, had the ch- I thought I, I wrote down two schedules, but it was really three schedules. I had to check a work schedule, a school schedule, and then mama son schedule to make sure that I had a clear enough schedule to do this today. That's embarrassing, kind of. 
I probably would have said yes anyway. We just got rid of something that she was doing and we'd be fine. But that being said, our life has gotten incredibly too busy. Sometimes I fear in all of that activity that we, we might even miss God moving on things. Even if it's church related, we have to watch ourselves and make sure we're not being busy just being busy. Take a little time out. Slow up a little bit. Another thing you can see, um, he had somebody to take care of all this stuff, and that's something that I need to set up. We need to be able and prepared to be able to take off if God calls us to do that. And there are many things that we can put in there. Financing. Financially, he was able to do that. He had somebody who took care of his responsibilities. He had someone to watch well, actually, he took the kid with him. That's not a bad example. Um, there's many things that we do that can affect what we have time for. I mean, just I wrote these down for myself. Financing, work, family, livestock, health. We had a lot of health scares this year. I'm getting a little fat. I'm going to have to work on that. I already am because I want to be prepared to do what God wants me to do. I don't want to be dependent on something else. Um, Don would also say hunting. <laughs> That'd be one of my cruxes. I like to hunt. Who here likes to hunt? Anybody? One person? I think we're going to have to change. Does anybody have any property they don't hunt? That might be a better question for me to ask since there's only one hunter in here. <laughs> I have to get that figured out. So he had his life squared away. Something else I found interesting, his son had the right relationship with him. For me to go to my son, who at that time was probably 20, he wasn't a teenager, hey, we're going to go do this thing. And I don't know if he really talked about him, about what was going on. It doesn't really say that. But his son left. He obviously knew they were going to do some sort of sacrifice because they cut wood for it. But he went with him. An unsaved person told me this, because his kids are watching the world. If you're going somewhere, take your boys. Don't tell them where you're going. Don't give them the opportunity to say no. Say, you're going with me to do this. Or we're going with me, and don't tell them what they're going to do. I started that again this weekend. Oh, boy. Pray for me. Ladies, do the same thing with your daughters. Sometimes it's good for your kids to leave and go someplace without knowing a lot. So work on that. It's something that's, I don't know why I just said that, but there you go. You're welcome. Uh, Abraham had his mind right. And it's really the same verse. Um, We can see that Abraham knew what he needed to do. He had the fortitude to carry it out, what God wanted him to, to, to do. He knew what he needed. He needed the wood for fire. He needed the fire. I talked to Pastor Brian about this. I don't know why he packed up the wood. That seems like a weird thing to pack up. I would be thinking ham sandwiches. Abraham packed wood. You'd think there would be wood where he was going to do a sacrifice, but we don't think it was special wood, unless maybe it was high enough altitude there wouldn't be any wood. That would be the only thing, I guess. Maybe it's easier to, I don't know. I have no idea why. But he knew that he needed that wood. Obviously, he packed the knife. He packed up an ass, because it's always good to have something carry stuff for you. Um, He knew how to build an altar, He knew to take the fire up the mountain before he went up the mountain. He knew how to build an altar. 
Like, I don't know if I could do that. Like, he knew how to do all these things. He knew it in a different way because he actually walked with God at times. Like, this is all interactions with God. We don't have that now, but we have the Bible. But Abraham didn't have that. But he had the mindset and the ability to do all of these things with very little or no interaction, pretty much. It doesn't, something else I thought was interesting too is he didn't take counsel with anybody. He didn't ask anybody. He didn't say anything. I joked with Don earlier. <laughs> She's like, she didn't tell Sarah. <laughs> he didn't tell Sarah. There's no way. And I got to thinking, like, you know, at our house, Don would be like, hey, Corey, why are you saddling the ass? Like, why are you packing up the sacrifice wood? Um, well, you see, God told me to take Isaiah and burn him as a sacrifice up on the mountain. Okay, I'll pack you some sandwiches and some wool socks. It's cold. What? I don't think that would happen. I think I'd be a hard person to... I should be a hard sell on that one. Although Isaiah, he's getting better. Ten years ago, maybe. Sixteen, we kind of got him right. But he didn't seek any guidance. My grandpa was one of those people... My grandpa would pray about something, and then he'd make a decision, and he would do it. He didn't talk to anybody about it. When he started asking me medical advice, I could dance. Like, Grandpa's asking me his his advice on something. Like, he's never done that in my entire life. And he's highly successful, and he grew up in the hills of Kentucky, and he's a wealthy person. But all of his, everything came through prayer. He didn't ask anybody. He was the first of everything in his family, first with a high school degree, first with a job, first with a car. But he didn't need somebody to, to like, ask and make sure he was doing the right thing. If something comes up and you feel that you should do it, there's probably a reason you should do it. Now, if you're going to go sacrifice your, your son, please come talk to me. We could probably talk about that. I'm guessing that won't be right, although it may feel good. Faith, and I'm burning right through this. I'm sorry. The first message I did to adults was five pages, and it took 48 minutes. The second time, it was like 25, and this is going to be about that. Um, Faith. Abraham never lost his faith. He knew that God wasn't going to require him to sacrifice his son. And you can see that in verses 5, 7, and 8. Let's read them. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I. I think he learned that from God, that here am I. My son, and he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. That kind of changed the whole outlook of this entire thing when I read that and kind of understood it. He never believed God was going to sacrifice his son. He always thought that God was going to fix that for him. And that's a pretty humbling thought for some people. Being on a mission field does not sound exciting to me. I would do it, 
I don't think I would like it. But it would probably be the best for my family. But a lot of times we feel like we're sacrificing things for God, but we're not really sacrificing. We're getting so much more in return. And that's kind of what this was to me. Like Abraham knew that he wasn't going to sacrifice his son. He knew that God was going to give him what he needed when God needed it to. And that's really the way we should be. So quickly, do you know what the best thing about all these things are? Anybody? All these things we talked about. You can do it yourself. Like you can do and improve on all of these things with work and prayer. God does not put roadblocks in your way. He's the roadblock breaker. Like He gets things out of the way, especially if he wants you to do what he wants you to do. If he's putting immovable objects in your way, maybe you're going down the wrong path. But I think if you're doing what God wants you to do, he's not going to put any of those roadblocks up in front of you. And we don't go to the kind of church that tells you if you just tithe, although that's important, that you're going to get everything given to you on a silver platter, and this stuff is just going to improve on yourself. I mean, Paul said, I can't remember what verse is, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I might be paraphrasing. Is that Colossians? doesn't matter. God wants you to work. He doesn't expect you just to sit here on earth and him do everything for you. That's just not what he does. If that was the case, we wouldn't have to witness to folks, and those Calvinists would make more sense. But that's not the truth, and that's not the case. So, so Abraham, let's see where I'm at. I'm sorry, I lost my place. In closing, is your life, mind, and faith ready when it pertains to God's will in your life? The best thing about all this stuff, like I said, is with a little work and lots of prayer, you can get better and make each of these things less of an impact on your life. So, get your life right. If you have debt, pay it off. If you have too much stuff to do, get rid of some of it. Have the right relationship with your family. Your wife should be able to take care of stuff. Your husband should be able to take care of stuff. If you're a wife and husband, work together. It's important. God likes it, and it makes it better when you have... If not, if you don't work together, have more kids. That'll fix that problem, okay? You can't be a one-man show, a one-woman show, when you have six kids. It just ain't possible. Somebody's always going to be doing something. Um, if you need to get your mind right, read your Bible. We don't have God whispering in our ears anymore, but we do have a Bible that has all of the words that he wants us to have. And people say it's not in the Bible. Well, then just keep reading it. Read it, read it, read it. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. You guys should be able to quote this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He tells the kids, what is furnishing? Anybody know what furnishing is? What's that replying to? Or what's that implying? What's furnishing? Anybody? Anybody other than the Bible scholar? Furnishing is the stuff on a boat that makes it a boat. 
the rigging, the sails, the anchors. Furnishing is everything that makes a working vessel. I used to tell the kids this all the time. You can be saved and be a tugboat. Or not a tugboat, a barge. A barge is someone who sits in church every Sunday. They're still saved, but they're not doing anything for God. They're working off the power of everybody else. Without the Bible, you will be a barge. God doesn't want barges. God wants working vessels. Be a working vessel. Read the Bible. When God tells you to do something or you feel like you're being called to do something, you'll know what to do and how to do it or who to ask. Do it. Because it says that the Bible and its instructions, they make a man perfect. And you don't see that very often in the Bible. Although the first, first part of that is being saved. Faith. Faith can be improved on as well. I used to, I can't remember who it was. I'm sorry, my nose is running a little bit. I can't remember who the pastor was. I remember the pastor, but he said faith is a muscle. And if you don't use it, it'll get weaker. You don't want to have a weak faith muscle. I can't remember who said that. It might have been Brother Tozier. But he used to say it, and I never believed it. But I'll tell you something. If you don't have faith, test it. Start praying for people that don't know you're praying for them. Pray for things for yourself that no one else prays for and watch God answer those prayers. I th- uh, COVID, COVID drained my faith. We, without getting into much detail, it was a terrible, terrible time to be in healthcare. I have doctor friends who worked 180 days in a row. I physically put more people in body bags than I ever was prepared to do, ever. But when I started praying for Terry and she got better, it was a help. (laughs) It helped with my faith a lot. Come to church, be around faithful people. Be around kids with special needs or kids who are handicapped and see their spirit. That'll help your faith. Exercise it. Use it. Because if you don't, you'll lose it. And that's the truth. As painful it is. You're not going to lose your salvation. But we also don't want to be a barge. We want to be a working vessel for God. And that's what I got, guys. We're going to have plenty of time to play gorilla ball. I want to go outside the teen room and yell into the windows as loud as we possibly can. Just kidding. She knows I'm not kidding. Uh, Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings that you bestowed upon us. And uh, we, we thank you for this simple message, Lord, and how these examples in the Old Testament just can be seen through in our lives today and that, that really your lessons are timeless and your love is timeless. We pray that you help us in this wonderful time for, for this church and help us to continue to grow and help blessing the new building and our pastor, Lord, and all those who serve us Every day, we pray these things in your name. Amen. And I have no idea what you're all supposed to do now. Fellowship. Fellowship. Gorilla ball. What do you think pastor would do?
I almost said, does anybody have any Bible questions that they'd like me to answer right now? <laughs> Not. <laughs> <laughs>